Trust the only payment solution offered through the ABA Advantage program, LawPay. The practice of law changed significantly in the past decade, and perhaps the biggest disruption arrived in March of 2020, when the coronavirus pandemic forced most lawyers to leave their offices and work remotely. There's been challenges and fears for the profession, as well as a necessity to quickly change the way something has always been done. That's hard for lawyers. As part of a special series, the ABA Journal's Asked and Answered is asking lawyers about how they've done it and what they think will come next. I'm Stephanie Francis Ward, and my guest today is David Latt, a lawyer. He writes at Original Jurisdiction, which is delivered to readers as a Substack newsletter. He's also the founding editor of Above the Law and wrote the 2014 book Supreme Ambitions. Before that, he wrote anonymously at Underneath Their Robes. Welcome to the show, David. Thanks, Stephanie. It's great to be here. Great. I was just thinking about a year ago, and you, sadly, you were recovering from, I mean, really a life-threatening bout with coronavirus. Do you find yourself thinking about last year a lot, now that the pandemic has gone on for more than a year? It's something that's going to be with me for a while. Uh, As you mentioned, it was a pretty serious case. I was in the hospital at NYU Langone for almost three weeks. I was on a ventilator for six days. And so it's not something that I'll easily forget. Uh, I think as time goes by, I think about it less. It's probably just natural as I get back into day-to-day life. Um, But it's definitely an experience that will be with me for, uh, I guess I would say, the rest of my life. (laughs) Well, for sure. I was just curious if just the anniversary of it, because I find myself thinking, oh, I remember last St. Patrick's Day because they shut down all the restaurants and bars in Chicago, or, oh, you know, we had no idea. We were all washing our groceries a year ago, and you obviously went through a lot more, but I was like, wow, it's been a year. Yeah, I know. So I remember the date I went in, March 16, that was the date I was admitted. I remember the date I got out. It was easy to remember. It was April 1, (laughs) April Fool's Day. So Mm. uh, those were two anniversaries this year that I definitely looked back on. Have you come across in the year, have you come across many attorneys who also had the coronavirus and any who were as sick as you were? Uh, Not a huge number, to be honest. I think lawyers were very lucky. Uh, As you alluded to, uh, lawyers are able to work remotely. They're not on the front lines. They're not like doctors. They're not like uh, essential workers. And so, although I've definitely heard of lawyers and had lawyer friends who got it, and certainly my husband did, probably from me, uh, I'm not a huge number, I would say. Um, I did connect with a GW law student uh, who was in the news around the same time I was, who mm-hmm. uh, is even younger than I am, and he had a very serious case, and he also was put on a ventilator or intubated. So I think his case uh, might have been as ser- serious or more serious than mine, but uh, for the most part, uh, not a huge number. I feel that lawyers have been lucky in some ways compared to some other professions. When you got out of the hospital and things started to settle down, what were your thoughts, if any, about things you wanted to do differently with life, either personally, professionally, all of those things? Yeah, so the pandemic and my experience with COVID definitely changed me, but It took a while, I think, for the changes to sink in. Uh, When I first got out of the hospital, we went to my parents' house for a couple of weeks, which is where I was recovering initially. And I wasn't really thinking about 
much else besides my recovery. Uh, I had a terrible cough for several months. Uh, I had lost my voice because of the damage the ventilator does to one's vocal cords. Uh, I had shortness of breath. I was very weak. Uh, I'd lost a lot of weight. I'd lost a lot of muscle. So I wasn't really thinking about changes to my life. I was thinking of just how can I get better? Um, but as time went on and as the months passed, uh, I did start to feel like something was missing. I don't know if a lot of people, I think, maybe have had that experience during the pandemic. And one thing that happened when I was sick with COVID was I started to do more writing. Um, from 2019 to 2021, I was mainly working as a legal recruiter and just writing on the side. But when I had COVID, I wrote about my experience pretty openly. I wrote about it on social media. I essentially live tweeted it. I wrote about it on Twitter. Uh, after I got out of the hospital, I wrote a series of pieces about my COVID experience for different publications, the Washington Post, the Los Angeles Times, Slate. And that all got me back into the mindset of writing and realizing how much I enjoyed it. Uh, so in December, I started the publication you mentioned in my intro, uh, a website and newsletter called Original Jurisdiction, where I kind of returned to my roots, writing about law and the legal profession. And as the time went on, uh, Original Jurisdiction, which I was really just doing as a side hustle, uh, from my main work as a recruiter, just started to take up more of my time and I started to enjoy it more. So around March or April, I decided uh, to leave the world of legal recruiting and focus full-time on writing and on uh, growing original jurisdiction. So that was definitely one big change. And that was, I think, prompted by my experience with COVID, just realizing what was really important to me in life and what was going to give me fulfillment uh, when you have an experience like that, you just think about uh, what do you want to do with the rest of your days in some ways. And I enjoyed recruiting. Uh, my colleagues at Lateralink were and are amazing. Uh, but I just didn't get the same day-to-day -day enjoyment from recruiting that I did from writing. I mean, as a writer, you can relate, I'm sure. Uh, so that was one change. And then I guess the second change I would say was... And this is really just more practical, but uh, my husband and I, we both work a lot from home. We have a three-year-old who I hope will not bust in here. Uh, but we just realized that a two-bedroom, even though it's a decent two-bedroom by Manhattan standards, is just not enough for our family. So uh, over the summer, we are actually moving out to the New Jersey suburbs. So in the span of a couple of weeks, I've changed my job. I've changed my home. Definitely a lot going on. And was that something that you decided to do at the same time or it was a long time coming? Because those two changes are big and they came pretty close to each other. The housing thing was, I guess you could say, more of a long time coming in the sense mm -hmm. that Zach and I had always talked about moving to the suburbs. Uh, we grew up in the New Jersey suburbs. Our parents live there. They give us a lot of help with our son, their grandson. So it's great to be closer mm -hmm. to them. Uh, so it was something we'd always thought about. But I like living in the city. I like living in Manhattan. And there was really no impetus to sort of change. We had this inertia, really, that was keeping us here. But the pandemic just shook everything up. And at that point, we just thought, you know what? Um, we can make changes. We can do this. Uh, it's scary. It's a lot of work to move and to get your uh, mind in a different uh, place. But uh, we thought, you know what? We can do this. Was the aspect of more open space appealing as well? I know in Chicago, a lot of home buyers 
they want something with some kind of outdoor space. It's private. So they're not interested in townhouses without balconies, you know, or condos without roof access. Was that a piece too? I mean, besides yeah, the fact you have a three-year-old, but just that wanting space after being at home for so long, even though you were with your parents for a bit after you were sick. Well, it was interesting living with my parents and also spending time with my parents-in-law who also live in the suburbs made me think, you know what? This is not so terrible. Uh, I think I had a Manhattanite uh, attitude for a long time of city or bust and, oh my gosh, going out to the suburbs, it's just like a wasteland. But no, actually it was totally fine. Uh, and that was sort <laughs> of like our our trial period for seeing whether we could do it. Uh, it was admittedly under very unusual circumstances, but it convinced me that it was a viable way of life. Uh, and the outdoor space is definitely helpful. Our new house has a yard. There's a little patio at back. Uh, we're not really big cooks, but we will have a grill there. Uh, so it will be nice. And, and one thing about the city is we don't have outdoor space here. And when you're in lockdown, you can just kind of go crazy if you're just within the four walls of your apartment. So uh, you know, God forbid we ever have another pandemic like that. But if we have to be confined to our home, I'd rather be confined to a home that's bigger than this one with an actual yard. Well, and maybe it's too soon to say since you don't move until the summer, but are you hearing there's a lot of young couples like you guys who are moving from the city to the suburbs as well? Yeah, anecdotally, I talk to people, uh, a lot of people who are making that same move. Uh, I was talking to a fellow who works with our building here to make the elevator reservation for moving out. And he said, oh, our family's moving too. We're going to Westchester. So it seems that everybody is uh, is moving. And you, you can see that in the news, certainly here in the New York tri-state area. Real estate prices in the suburbs are way, way up. There are all these crazy bidding wars. Uh, everybody is trying to move out of the city. And one thing that's interesting is I think a lot of us are thinking ahead to post-pandemic work life. And a commute can be annoying, but if you're not doing it five days a week, it's not as bad. And I think a lot of us are thinking we won't be commuting five days a week. For me as a writer, I don't really commute at all. But for Zach, who's a lawyer, uh, I think he will benefit from not having to go into the office five days a week. One of the things that I guess I didn't find it shocking, but it just really struck me when I was working on a piece that's coming up is that the private law firms want their employees to come back, but there's a sense that the talent is just not going to go for it. So I don't know for how many years people really tried to get it, just one day a week from home. And now I think it's quite possible big firm associates and partners will not be going into the work, will not be going to the office every day going forward. Do you agree? Totally. And it's funny, actually. You're right that this has been such a huge sea change. Uh, a few years ago, I can't remember which firm instituted a, a formal work from home policy. And I think you were allowed to do it one or two days a month with permission of your supervisor. And this was heralded as, oh, wow, progressive. You know, the first, you know, AmLaw 100 or big law firm adopts this policy. And isn't this great? Uh, one or two days a month with permission. Whereas now, I don't think people would stand for it if you made them come in every day except for one or two days. And one situation is actually revealing. Uh, Sullivan and Cromwell recently announced that they would be reopening after the 4th of July. And 
their messaging was perceived by associates as essentially saying, we expect you here again all the time. And there was no announcement of a remote work policy at the time they announced the reopening. So there turned out to be this little mini revolt and a bunch of Sullivan and Cromwell associates reached out to Above the Law, my former publication, to essentially complain, saying, can you believe this? And sure enough, what happened was uh, a little while later, Joseph Schenker, the managing the chair of the firm, gave an interview to the New York Law Journal where he said, oh, I just want to clarify something. Uh, we're not really expecting everybody to be back all the time, and we're still monitoring the situation, and we're going to be flexible. So even Sullivan and Cromwell, which is one of the most traditional uh, of the yeah. white shoe firms, yeah. sort of tried to see if they could get away with it, and they couldn't. Oh, that's interesting. You thought they, it was a trial balloon. Okay. Yeah, they basically walked it back. Well, with your work, I mean, you're the first person people think of when they have like a scandalous story about a law firm. I'm curious. I mean, one of the things that crossed my mind when this started, especially where all the summer associate programs were going remote, I'm like, well, you probably can't sexually harass someone online. But I mean, <laughs> well, you can. Actually, I don't mean that. <laughs> I don't mean that. But are you getting as many tips and hearing about that as much during the pandemic? I think that there is a lot less room for scandal. There have been a couple of high-profile Zoom scandals, which we don't have to talk about. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, for the most part, it's not the same. And, and think about it also. A lot of the scandals at law firms honestly happen when people drink too much. There's alcohol mm -hmm. at a lot of these events. People have a few too many. They lose their inhibitions. Here, you can't really do that. Some firms have had these virtual happy hours where you can have a drink in the comfort <laughs> of your own home. But it's really hard to make a fool of yourself or harass somebody over a screen if you're just getting drunk in your own home. So, But they are. I mean, the, the yeah. studies are showing us that as well, but maybe it's not. I don't not, think it's as it, common, I guess. Um, but yeah. look, you know, you lose good things too. On the one hand, you lose some of the negative interactions, whether it's yelling at somebody or sexually harassing someone, but you also lose a lot of the positive things. I'm not a total downer on working from the office. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it helps with camaraderie. It's much easier to train and mentor. You have these sort of casual things that happen where a partner's walking by an associate's office late at night and sees that associate and says, hey, I have this great new matter. Do you want to work on it? There's a lot of stuff that happens when you're in physical proximity with each other just organically that can't happen with Zoom. You have to schedule the Zoom. Uh, it's it's different. So uh, having worked for significant parts of my career, both from an office and from home, I see the benefits of both. Okay. I think for a long time, the reason that people couldn't work remotely is, is well, we need to make sure everyone's working, which is kind of ridiculous because making sure everyone's doing good work is a management issue, not a location issue. But do you think is more uh, law firms and legal employers allow their lawyers to work from home, management might change a bit. I mean, perhaps for the better. Yeah, I think that one thing the law firms learned is how productive lawyers can be when they work from home. For one thing, you're getting back all of those hours you spend spent commuting. So when you look at the financial figures that the American lawyer published for the AMLA 100 and the AMLA 200, some firms, many firms, had some of their best years last year. Uh, revenue and profits were up considerably. And I think a lot of that was because people were getting more of their hours back. Uh, if you have a two or three hour 
uh, commute total each day, you could work an hour or two harder and you'll still have another hour or two extra left for your family. Um, So there are definite, definite benefits to it. And once the lawyers, some of the older partners, I think, probably thought, wow, we can't make sure people are working if we don't physically see them. But once you see the work product and once you see the billable hours, you become a believer. Mm, so it's all about money. As, I mean, as it always some of it's is, that. why not? <laughs> and I think the law firms are also seeing that they were able to lower their overhead during the pandemic. They yeah. have lower utility bills. Some of them had clauses in their leases that allowed them to withhold rent during uh, some period of the lockdown. Um, They're going to shrink their spaces. A lot of the law firms that are renewing their space on average are taking about 20% less space. So law firms are seeing, wow, we can actually save money here. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to ask you about some other things the pandemic may have changed in the legal profession. We'll be right back. Imagine if 62% of your clients paid on the same day they were billed. That's what it's like to be with LawPay. LawPay makes it easy to securely accept credit, debit, and e-check payments from anywhere. For June only, LawPay is offering no monthly fee for the rest of the year, plus the first three months of 2022 as your ABA member benefit. Visit lawpay.com ABA to get started. And we're back. I'm Stephanie Francis-Ward, and on today's episode of the ABA Journal's Asks and Answered, I'm speaking with David Latt. He's a lawyer and popular writer who now shares his work on original jurisdiction, which is delivered with a Substack news- newsletter. David, like myself, is recording this from home, and David has a three-year-old who you may hear in the background. So Yes, no hopefully about not, that. but... <laughs> I have two teenage sons. They've been warned, but that doesn't mean anything. (laughs) Um, So let's talk about, I was also curious on your take about the job market for lawyers. Um, It doesn't seem to be as bad as people thought it would be. And I think some could argue that it's actually pretty good. What do you think? So as I was winding down as a recruiter, the market was really, really heating up. And uh, the lateral market for associates right now is the hottest it has been in years. Uh, I think right now, uh, the lateral associate movement through the middle of May is what it was through all of 2020. Now, uh, caveat, 2020 was partially depressed because in March and April and May, a lot of firms put their hiring on hold because the pandemic had just started, the recession was underway, nobody knew what was going to happen. But as the months went on and the firms realized they were doing just fine, they started to pick up hiring. The hiring increased uh, in the second half of 2020, and it has just increased even more uh, in the first half of 2021. Some of my colleagues at Lateral Link were, you know, by the time I left at the end of April, had made as many placements as Uh, in the past, a good recruiter would make in an entire year. And that was just for four months. So uh, it's really, really busy. And the same is true on the partner level as well. The partner recruiting didn't really drop as much as the associate recruiting, um, but it's remained high. Uh, There's a lot of activity right now in the lateral market. This is for the world of large law firms, of course, which is what I tend to focus mm-hmm. on. Um, you know, of course, there's a whole universe out there of solo firms, small firms, um, but I'm, I'm talking about the larger firms. Well, I was surprised with the employment data 
that just came out from the ABA. I'm also hearing that recent graduates from non-T14 law schools, there's more jobs for them in some parts of the country. Um, And do you think, I think there's so much PTSD from like 2009, um, and perhaps for some of this older folks, maybe 2000. What do you think will happen next with this job market? Is it going to last? Is it going to fall? I mean, or is there something we have no way of knowing because we haven't lived through a pandemic before. You know, it's so hard to predict. I mean, look, it can't go on like this forever. I guess my question is, is it going to end with some kind of crash or will it end with just some sort of gradual slowing down to something more normal? Uh, And it's so hard to predict. I made so many wrong predictions last year. For example, in 2020, just because of the economy being what it was in March, April, May, I thought that year-end bonuses would be lower, and year-end bonuses ended up being higher because not only did firms match the bonus scale from 2019, they also gave out these essentially pandemic bonuses or appreciation bonuses. And the firms that didn't give out those bonuses as separate bonuses just baked them into the year-end bonuses. So people made more, lawyers made more in 2020 than they did in 2019. So everything is just so unpredictable. Uh, So I wouldn't hazard a guess as to whether this is going to crash or keep booming or slow down into something more normal. It could go in so many different directions. I guess I would say that the overall economy seems to be doing okay. And so to the extent that that continues, law firms should do well too. But again, who knows? We we just have no way of knowing. Do you have the sense right now that the large law firms are afraid of losing their associate ranks? So that's why they're letting them work from home. And that's why they gave them a pandemic bonus. Yep. No, absolutely. This year, they've given out these uh, bonuses that are being paid in two installments generally at most firms, summer and fall, they're essentially retention bonuses because firms are so afraid of losing lateral talent. So they pay them in June and they pay them in September, say. And then by the time you get to to September, you're already looking ahead to your December bonus. So who wants to leave? You would say, you know what, if I'm leaving, I'm leaving money on the table. On the other hand, that doesn't stop people from leaving because the firms that are luring associates are offering gigantic signing bonuses, Um, Some associates are getting six-figure signing bonuses. People are getting uh, bonuses that are uh, really quite robust. People are negotiating deals for themselves, like maybe shortening the partnership track by a year. It really is a seller's market for associates. I should clarify that this is mostly taking place on the transactional side. So associates in capital markets, mergers and acquisitions, private equity, uh, it's not really the same market for, say, litigation associates. Oh, interesting. So maybe this wouldn't apply, but I'm curious, is even though it's a great market for the corporate associates, are you also hearing and seeing that some senior associates will make a life change, much like yourself, but it doesn't matter about the bonus. They're going to go in-house. Or So I haven't seen it too much yet because I think people are still trying to figure things out and Cities are only now starting to open up. Here in New York, we only just lifted our public mask mandate. But I think you could definitely see that. I was talking to a law school classmate of mine who's a partner at a big firm here in New York. And he said, you know, these bonuses we're giving the associates, they could actually have an unintended consequence because essentially these associates are getting so much money 
They pay off all their law school loans. They can save a down payment for a house, whatever. And then they don't need our money. They might say, you know what? Now I'm going to go pursue my dream of being a writer or an actor or uh, take an in-house job for lower pay or what have you. So you're giving them more money to keep them, but more money also gives them more options. Uh, It really depends. But I think that a lot of people are rethinking their lives during the pandemic. Do you have a sense that the partners are disgruntled about the bonuses yet or that hasn't happened? Because it seems like they always are when they get bigger and bigger. I don't think they're quite as disgruntled this time around because the partners are making so much money. Mm. Uh, I think they don't like it when the bonuses go up, but they're not their particular firm is not doing that well. And sometimes if a firm is not doing well, but the rest of the firms are doing well, it can be painful if somebody announces a very high bonus scale because then that firm has to match. But a lot of firms are doing well. It's not uniform. The AMLAW 200 just came out and the so-called second 100 firms, the firms ranked 101 to 200 in revenue, are not doing as well as the firms ranked 1 to 100, but they're still doing well. So there's a lot of money to go around. And so I don't think the partners can really complain. And the other thing is some of the partners are discovering that they don't mind working from home. When I was a recruiter, I had this one boutique I worked for where the founding partner pre-pandemic said, oh, no, I don't go for this whole working from home thing because I had a candidate who was potentially interesting but wanted to work from home on Fridays. And the partner said, no, 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 call me old-fashioned. I don't I do not do that. Now, this partner hasn't been to his office in a, more than a year, and he's totally happy working like this. He said, this is great. He's out at his place in the Hamptons. He has a pool. He has a tennis court. He doesn't have to go back to the office, and he doesn't care what the lawyers do either. So it really is a culture shift. Well, I, I've always been curious what is going on? And maybe what you just told me is what's going on. But for the partners that check all the boxes of what a law firm partner is supposed to look and act like, and they get to their desk every day by eight, and they wear a suit and tie every day, even when it's Friday, how are they weathering through all this? Because I really think for some of them, they would rather be at the office in their suit and tie than at home with their families. (laughs) Or maybe they don't have any families. <laughs> no, no, it's it's true. Um, it is difficult for some people. I mean, everyone's talking about all these adjustments we have to make, like, oh, we're going to have to learn how to make small talk again, or we have to get new, we have to learn how to put on work clothes again. And if we've gained sort of the pandemic weight, well, then maybe they don't fit. Like, we're all going to have to go back to the old way or to quote unquote normal or the new normal, if, if you like that term, some people don't. But uh, we're all going to have to make that uh, that transition back. But I agree with you. Um, we have this one family friend who is a partner at a firm. And even during the pandemic, he was still trying to go into the office five days a week because he didn't want to be at home. He has a bunch of kids. He's kind of a workaholic. Uh, the kids sort of interrupt his flow. He kept going to the office. I think, uh, I don't even know if he was really supposed to be there, but somehow he 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 went there. So, it's definitely challenging for people. And like I said, I mean, you know, my three-year-old's in the next room. I I know that that can be tough. Uh, So uh, I understand why some people are looking forward to returning to the office. Have you heard any funny or interesting stories about the difficulties people have had when they return to the office or they're just out of their apartments in public life? I know personally I find, oh, I can't swear as much when I'm not in my house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there are definitely things one has to get used to. I mean, certainly a lot of the firms have adopted these measures where 
Uh, it is a little bit more onerous. You have to make sure that you can go in that day. There's mm-hmm. a temperature check. There's a health questionnaire. Um, it is not as easy as just going in at some firms. You you need to uh, some. There are some firms that want you to tr- sort of explain why you have to go in. Oh, I'm I'm doing a deposition or I'm preparing for a hearing or something like that. So it isn't always easy right now, but it's going to get easier. And I think a lot of firms are going to open up a little bit more after July 4. A lot of firms are going to open up more after Labor Day. And a lot of firms are going to open up after January 1. I think those are sort of the main target dates. Hmm. Besides the remote working, what do you think? think some other big changes will be that are permanent to come from the pandemic. I'm thinking there's going to be more remote hearings, particularly for small matters where the parties often aren't represented. What do you think? Oh, totally, totally. And you'll see a lot more remote depositions and a lot more remote scheduling conferences. Anything that's not really that major, I think, will now be done remotely. Partly because the clients don't want to pay for it. Uh, I was I saw a LinkedIn post by one uh, GC of a of a public company, and he was saying, "I don't want to pay to fly half a dozen lawyers uh, across the country for some routine hearing, and I don't expect to do that after the pandemic is over." Um, so it's going to change. There's going to be a lot less business travel, I think. It makes me a little bit sad because I was somebody who always kind of enjoyed a little bit of business travel. And sometimes you could kind of connect it to a weekend. And, you know, for example, I, I loved coming out to Chicago. And so I could go out to Chicago and I could stop by the ABA and, and see some people there and, you know, see my editor for my book or, you know, see you guys. And then I could stay in Chicago through the weekend and go to some of your great restaurants or whatever. And, you know, I think... There will be fewer opportunities for that, and uh, I, I, it'll be different. I want to go back to what you said about the remote depths. I am hearing that there's lots of lawyers who hate doing remote depths, especially on the phone, but Zoom, too. Have you heard much about that? I've heard it's a difficult skill. It is a little bit different, and there have been a couple of cases involving uh, complaints over people trying to coach witnesses because you're not in the same room. And that is going to continue to be an issue. But if the witness is not a major witness, not the CEO, not the eyewitness to a, f- a physical incident, whatever, I just think it's going to be harder to justify. Uh, it's definitely a less good experience than in person. But the question is, is the marginal diminution in quality or value worth all the extra cost? And maybe it's just strengthening that muscle, too. If you're good at in-person depths, you're going to pick up on how to tell if the person be deposed is lying when you see them on Zoom. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was talking to David Boys about this, about depositions, and he said, you know, it's actually easier than you might think to tell if the witness is being coached because you can kind of watch their eyes and if they're not just looking at you and they're kind of looking off to this into space, maybe they're looking off to the side, off camera, maybe they're looking at another screen, you can kind of tell that, that something is up. So I think if you're observant, if you're doing it via video, at least not just voice, you can pick up cues, I think. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What do you miss the most about your life before the pandemic? Um, A lot of things. Uh, certainly... I do, I do miss travel, seeing friends, 
going out to eat, all of those things. Um, you know, I live here in New York. We used to like going to the theater. Haven't done that in more than a year. Um, but you know, it's starting to ease. It's starting to get back into the uh, old. Uh, we're trying. We're starting to get back into the swing of things. Uh, we're now having this situation where oh, we're booking friends out for several weekends because oh, well, we can't do brunch that day. We already have something. We'll do dinner. Oh, how about this date? How about that date? So it's getting back to the old ways. Um, one of the nice things about the pandemic was you didn't necessarily feel this constant pressure to socialize if you didn't want to, and it was so easy to beg off. Uh, whereas now that we're reopening, uh, there is more of an expectation that you'll get together. But I'm not complaining because I like seeing people I haven't seen in a long time. I'm looking forward to it. Are there some things that went away during the pandemic that you don't miss and you think that you'll just keep things the way they are? You know, I mean, this is a very minor thing, but the experience of going to the movies in the theater, I think we're so used to streaming things in our living room, unless it's some kind of movie with big special effects or something. Why do you want to go there and fall movie in line? Popcorn. Yeah, and exactly. Movie popcorn, I mean, okay, flower true. Pop. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Although they do charge you like $15 for it or whatever absurd yeah. amount it is. Um, but like, I don't know if people are going to go back to that quite as much. I've gone back to using mass transit. There are a lot of people who say, oh, I don't want to use mass transit anymore. I don't have a problem with that. But I, I just think that there are a lot of things we're not going back to. I think the the whole, you know, five-day normal work week, I don't think we're going back to having, you know, traveling for every little thing. I just don't think that's happening. Uh, it's going to be different. Yeah. And that's everything I have to ask you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks. My pleasure, as always. Yes. And listeners, thank you for joining us, too. If you like what you heard today, please rate us an Apple Podcasts, and we'll see you next time for another episode of the ABA Journal's Asked and Answered.